This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm really glad you have joined us. A recent article on 538.com looks at whether Republicans have given up on black voters. Of course, a lot of black folks would look at that and say, well, of course they have. They did that a long, long time ago. But author Perry Bacon Jr. says that the party's efforts to reach out and connect with black voters is actually getting worse. The last Bush administration, according to Bacon, did a better job than the current administration does. So what does that mean for black Republicans? And is their loyalty to party incompatible with the garish insensitivity and bigotry that we are seeing coming out of the Republican Party in the Trump era. That's where we want to begin the conversation today. And I've got two guests who have a lot to say about this uh, in studio with me. <laughs> Wayne Bradley is the state director of African-American engagement for the Michigan Republican Party, managing partner of American Urban Strategies. Wayne, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you. And I just want to confirm I'm no longer the state director of African, oh. but I am the managing director of uh, American Urban <laughs> Of Strategies. American Urban Strategies, <laughs> yes, right? Sir. Okay. Well, I got that part right. <laughs> uh, also with us is Brandon Bryce. He's an independent political consultant. Used to identify as Republican, but now mm-hmm. identifies as independent. Brandon, welcome back to Thank you. Detroit Today. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So, Wayne, I want to start with you. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you're somebody who's worked in Republican politics for some time. Right. Uh, I first want to get your reaction to the idea that things are getting worse as it pertains to, to the GOP reaching out to black voters, whether you think that's true. But... Also, give me a sense of what it has been like to be a black Republican over the over the years, and and as different sort of people have taken the lead in the party, and the party has taken, I think, really different approaches to the idea of trying to welcome African Americans into the tent. Man, that was a lot of different questions and a lot of different layers. <laughs> That's right. Um, I I would say, uh, from a national perspective, it's been harder to recruit. Uh, and try to get more black Republicans involved in the last few two years. And to be quite honest, when I'm looking at this, I read the article, too, and it was saying, have Republicans given up on winning black voters? I say they have not done that, uh, but what they've gone to more now, uh, as you, if you look at Florida and if you look at Georgia, they went on issues as opposed to candidates. I mean, I don't think DeSantis was appealing to black voters, but he was able to get 18% of black women based on the school choice issue. Hmm. Uh, black men in Georgia made the difference for Kemp because they voted for him as opposed to voting for, and then people say, oh, it might be the sexism issue. Black men are you know, going to always support a man over a woman. You know, these different kind of issues. But I think that what they really did was they connected on issues that, uh, that are not just black or white issues. I mean, uh, parents that live in underserved communities are concerned about education. And I think that, to be quite honest, that's something we've talked about for years is that we should focus on issues that are winning issues, school choice being one of them, uh, because even if you're supporting public schools, which I'm a graduate of a DPS school, that doesn't mean that you don't want to take away options from other parents. Yeah. So I think, that, I think that the bigger issue is that hammering home uh, with the Republicans is that uh, if you don't have this magnetic candidate, uh, it's, it's smart to focus on issues and i think that we can have some you know some some wins in that area so so you you say that it's been tougher in the last couple of years to recruit african-americans 
to to be Republicans or mm-hmm. consider themselves Republicans. I don't think that's any surprise right. given the things that we've seen this president do and and say. But but draw a contrast uh, between that and what you saw before. I mean, I think a lot of African-Americans would say even before Trump, mm-hmm. they felt like the Republican Party uh, for decades has done things and said things that make it clear they're not in f- in favor of the kind of success and equality that African-Americans want for themselves. Uh, I don't you- necessarily think that that's the issue. I think that two things, well, two, there's a few things that have contributed to this way of, of people thinking. One, uh, because of the way black black people, we tend to live all the, in, in, in areas together, uh, which has focused, the, you know, it's made it easier for Democrats because these are the areas they're in to focus their concentration on that as opposed to the Republican Party that has to go throughout the, a whole state compared to one metropolis to win votes. And uh, even with this election now, what we saw after 2018 is we saw the so-called soccer mom phenomenon leaving our party. So now we're concerned more about white women leaving the party than than black people. Than African that's just that's just the reality of the situation. Um, again, I think that <clears throat> Republicans are going to have to obviously strategize and figure out how to use messaging and issues like how right now we're fighting for the criminal justice reform bill. This is Donald Trump. This is uh, Republicans. You know, Rand Paul has worked on this for years. So I think that, uh, and you know, those are the issues that we have to stay strong on. And then, then you can turn turn around and say the economy is moving, and you know, people will feel better about that. I think that black men in particular um, are pocketbook voters more than they are, you know, thinking about every other ill that you know, come, you know, mothers and women are focused on some of the safety and things like. Men want to know, can I have a job? Can I provide for my families? You know, that's that's our main focus. And I think that if you can show that those are the things that you're work, you know, focused on, uh, you know, black people as a, in general, we don't really focus on the border security and the immigration issue, which we should, uh, because it does affect us in our employment issues. But we don't we're not coming from it from a, a issue of in, not having compassion. And mm. I think that that's where the Republican Party has kind of dropped the ball and reaching mm. out to African Americans. Uh, Brandon By- Bryce, uh, you're somebody who used mm-hmm. to identify as Republican. Mm-hmm. Tell me why that changed. So a couple of reasons. First of all, uh, voters, black voters focus on two things, relevancy and currency. And the Republican Party, in my opinion, uh, has failed to do both. Uh, I was Republican for many years. I worked for a Republican governor. I worked for uh, a former U.S. Speaker of the House who's Republican. And what defrayed me from the party is I got to realize, I woke up one morning and I said, you know, the effort of funding campaigns for minorities, specifically black voters and black candidates, just was not there. And, you know, furthermore, it was interesting because if you look at a lot of the races that have gotten close, um, typically Uh, State party officials, state GOP officials, they will fund candidates uh, when they know or when they think that there is a competitive race as opposed to uh, their white counterparts, specifically in the South, where they will fund and raise the money because they want to make sure that candidate wins. Two different perspectives. And so I think that was one of the reasons that I made the the decision to become independent. Hmm. Uh, The other thing was, and it was official, um, there were some major concerns uh, I was a Kasich guy. I supported Kasich because I thought he was, uh, although he was Republican, he was uh, a, a pro-union uh, vote Republican. This is in the uh, run-up to the 2016 election. Right, 2016 election. elections. Uh, there were some major concerns I had with the president. 
there were some statements that were made that off the back I knew uh, would be problematic. And then not to mention, even if you look at the Bush administration under uh, 43, um, his cabinet was extremely diverse. Uh, in this cabinet, we have, I think, two or three. Um, and even that's questionable, depending on the, the type of cabinet positions that they have. And so I think those were some of the major concerns that I had of why I became independent. And then not to mention, uh, if you look at the American trend, uh, 45 percent of Americans right now are identifying as independent because they're saying, well, the Democratic Party takes me for granted and the Republican Party doesn't know who I am. And so I think I go back to the whole concept of uh, until we deal with the issue of relevancy and currency, uh, that is funding real campaigns and taking campaigns serious at the city, state and federal level. Uh, I think that demise of numbers is going to continue. So, so do you think things are worse now Absolutely. than they were before? I, I, now that Donald Trump is, is so, president. So, so here's the irony: uh, one, absolutely. Uh, I think right now there's the name. You know, what's interesting is that now it's Republican is not toxic. It's the the, the Trump brand is what's toxic now in the African American community. But what's interesting is if you look at the economy, African Americans are actually doing better right now. So it, and have been for for a long they time. Have. And there's so, so, an upward trend that starts in what 2009, exactly. 2010, and so, has continued. So it's a catch twenty two because although there's a uh, there's a dissident from the Republican and Trump brand right now. I mean, you even look at it in major cities. You know, African American entrepreneurship is growing at fifteen percent uh, in places that you never saw that before. And so part of that is the economy. And so I think to the Republican standpoint. Uh, that party has to become relevant and identify their policies to the growing economy, specifically in African-American communities, specifically with African-American women. Yeah. Uh, This is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. And my guests are Wayne Bradley. He is the managing partner of American Urban Strategies, former state director of African-American engagement for the Michigan Republican Party. Also with us is Brandon Bryce. He's an independent political consultant, used to identify as Republican, now identifies as an independent. We're talking about a recent article in 538.com that talks about the GOP's outreach to black voters. It says that that outreach looks worse today than it did just eight years ago or 10 years ago when uh, George W. Bush was the president of the United States. Uh, Is that uh, something that uh, the party needs to sort of pay attention to, maybe try to fix? Uh, If you want to join the conversation, give us a call. Tell us what you think it means to be a Republican in 2018. What values does the GOP stand for? What values should the GOP stand for? And we especially want to hear from Republicans and black Republicans in particular. What attracts you to the GOP? And do you think the party is making an adequate case to black voters about why it represents their interests and values? Do you think the party has a future if it can't diversify the base of support? That it has now. As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll try to work you into the conversation. Uh, Wayne, I I remember in, I think it was 2008, or it might have been 12, uh, uh, pretty, pretty prominent Republicans talked about how the party's future was in jeopardy if they could not expand the base that they had been relying on for several decades. Uh, right. and, and I assume that they meant 
Latino voters, uh, African-American voters, all kinds of people who have felt, I think, in large part, uh, sort of shunned, shunned by the, the, the GOP. Mm-hmm. Fast forward to 2018, I don't hear a lot of Republican leaders talking that way even. Well, uh, so to your point, 2013 is when they create the Growth and Opportunity Program. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brandon, you were actually part of that too, a little bit there, low key. Probably don't want to throw that out there now, but the no money program. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, now the, the thing is, what I will say is that they invested heavily and still have invested heavily in Latino um, outreach. And now this is the where I'm going to put some of the onus on Black voters. Uh, and what I what I say is that we have given away our vote to the Democrat Party. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and, and to be quite honest, if we were even voted at a clip of 80-20 or you know, 85-15, you would probably have more active uh, investment. But they, it, it, the numbers, you know, like I said, now, like I said, they're, they're focused on losing soccer moms, you know, the, the white woman vote. And so uh, it's, it's a numbers game. And mm-hmm. I think in 2013, they, what they did have a problem with is because President Obama was there. And President Obama uh, was taking even black Republicans away. He was taking away the business owner guys. Not necessarily because they agree with everything he said, but they were proud of him. They saw somebody they could identify with. And maybe they weren't necessarily call themselves, you know, Democrats, but they still would do an Obama fundraiser. They'd still be a part. They wanted to be part of history. And I think that at that time you had a very open-minded chairman, uh, at, you know, in Marines Priebus, who was a former NAACP lawyer that understood, and he's from the Midwest. I think that's something else that uh, when I point out uh, things that are different is that certain states, uh, they were more active about it. Michigan, in my opinion, Michigan, Ohio, and Pennsylvania at the time were were willing to gamble and invest a little bit more than, say, uh, some of these southern states. Hmm. And I had friends that worked in southern states that were met with just – upfront resistance they didn't feel like they needed that right okay so um i just think that it it does matter about the leadership and so in 2013 we opened up an office in detroit we and it's you know still there to this minute but we opened up an office in detroit and we got to work we got to work dealing with churches we got to work dealing with the business community and it was i was always just an open line to the community and you could always come in our office we we would have different events we've had expungement fairs we'd have different community leaders that typically wouldn't be in detroit come to detroit tim scott ram paul you know the attorney general multiple times lieutenant governor uh but yeah things have gotten things have changed a little bit so and you know go to 2016 when trump won there were people that had not voted that voted for trump there were people that were democrats uh you know blue collar workers that liked what he was saying in particular about trade i think that uh, that and the wall, you know, the, the wall issue. And so those two things brought out voters that might not always even vote a Republican, and he was able to win uh, in that fashion. In terms of getting more black people out to vote, I think black people uh, were not, you know, they were turned off by some of the, the language. But they were willing, you know. And history. But people did not like Hillary Clinton. And, I, and I, again, I always point that out. People were not, you know, it was not as much an indictment for, for Donald Trump as that people did not like Hillary Clinton. And it's not to say that if anybody else from the Republican Party would have ran against her that they might not have won. People did not want to support yeah. Hillary Clinton. And what you her. saw in the city was about 20,000 fewer voters show up in 2016 mm-hmm. than had shown up in 2012. 80,000 80, ballots that did not have a, a presidential vote. Right. 
Right. Yeah. <laughs> An incredible number. Right. <laughs> so, you know. Yeah, go ahead, Brandon. I was going to say, you know, that speaks to why this whole independent movement is so important because what's happening is you have two people who voters are not necessarily happy with, and that's all that they have. You know, one thing that I want to say really quick, uh, Wayne, it's interesting when you talk about the demise of the black Republican is that, and I brought this up before, uh, Steve, black Republicans don't have the same narrative as their white counterparts. Mm -mm. And what's interesting is that that voice has been lost right now. When you talk about the issues with Mia Love and you talk about some of the racial issues in Charlottesville, my question has been, my question has been, (laughs) where are the black Republicans? Mm -hmm. This is your time. And so what's interesting is, you know, when you say, well, what happened to the party? I think there's a couple things. One, um, and I can tell you, as a graduate of Howard University, I actually became Republican because Jack Kemp was on our board uh, at Howard. And I had the opportunity to meet him, and he actually got me my first job. But Jack Kemp and uh, Colin Powell and, uh, you know, J.C. Watts and, you know, these that faction of moderatism is gone. I mean, right now you have literally a Tea Party neoconservative movement that, in my case, doesn't speak to not only just African-American issues, but doesn't speak to the American where America is right now. Um, The other thing is, is, you know, one of the factions that I think has been lost when we talk about how to gain uh, Republican strength in minority districts is the reality of the labor vote. You know, one of the things is at one time in America, you know, you had labor, which still to this day that voted Republican. Uh, somewhere down the line, that got lost, where it meant if you were labor, that automatically meant you supported a Democratic candidate. Mm-hmm. And I think when they lost that, when they lost the middle class backbone of America, that literally ended Republican concepts and ideologies in inner city districts. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones to join the conversation. Let's start with Peter in Detroit. Peter, what's on your mind? Listen, I, you know, there's more reasons to not vote for Republican other than whether or not I have a job or Hillary Clinton. The, the outreach that I've seen over the years with the Republican reaching out to black people has been nothing but window dressing. The office that's, that, 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 that uh, your, your guest is speaking about here in Detroit is about six blocks from my house. There's never anybody there. The place is never open. I drive by every day. There's never anything going on there. We know the, the Republican Party got a black uh, uh, chairman when we got a black president. But when he spoke truth to power, when he spoke truth to the party and said, you know, we're not giving black people a reason to vote for us, they showed him the door. Even after, in a midterm election, they made a bunch of gains. You're talking about Michael Michael Steele. Michael Steele. When Reince Priebus got it handed to him, what did he get? A new contract, and and they gave him the highest salary they ever paid to the Republican Party uh, chairman. You think that's not a surprise? How about Alan Keyes, who they used to who they used to carpet bag all around to run against other people to say, "Look, we have a black Republican. We got one, but we'll we'll take this guy all over the place and run him everywhere we can." All that is is window dressing. If you're going to do that and then embrace white nationalists and the Confederacy and and uh, 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 dog whistle racism, I'm not voting for you. You're not reaching out to me. Yeah, uh, Peter, I, I really appreciate the call and the thoughts there. I think that, that that puts a really fine point on a lot of the criticisms that we hear from African-Americans about the Republican Party. Go ahead, Brandon. Stephen, really quick, I want to comment on that. I think that was probably one of the most honest commentaries on the state of minorities in, Republic, in the GOP that I've ever heard. 
Uh, I was in the meeting in at the RNC in Washington, D.C., when they were when we were forming the Growth and Opportunity uh, Growth and Opportunity Act, which was supposed to be an outreach initiative, a serious outreach initiative uh, through the GOP under then Chairman Rance Priebus. There was no money. Uh, You and then the other factor is you have to select people as if you would for any job or any opportunity that actually have ties to the community. That's important. Right. I can't support a guy who to go uh, who's never been in Detroit, never stepped foot in Detroit, but then wants to recruit in Detroit and they live in Bloomfield Hills. That's not going to work. And what you saw is it not just happened here in Michigan, but it happened throughout all 50 states where some of the people that were selected were probably selected because they were African American. But they didn't necessarily have the ties. Kudos to Wayne here, who's actually from the city, who uh, had ties in the community. But we needed 50 Waynes. (laughs) I'm I'm being honest. And so we did not have those folks that the community could identify, whether it was labor, whether it was uh, some of the social service markets, whether it was the churches. Those that's real outreach. And then the, the cherry on the top is once that plan got initiated, they needed a budget. They needed money to do the things that they do, which is the same thing that they do in suburban communities. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Wayne, what, what happened to that effort and for outreach? And, you know, this office in Detroit, uh, Peter says he drives by it. It's not open. Well, I, I haven't worked there since April. So yeah. I can't. I mean, that's probably a fair. That's probably a fair. My friend Graham Davis, uh, who uh, mm. works for the, the other side of the, uh, the political spectrum, mm. made a lot during the campaign of going by the Bill Schuette office in Detroit uh, each day and showing how it was closed right, uh, right all the way up to wow. the election. Uh, is this not a serious endeavor on the part I mean of it would be I would say I would be lying to you to say if I sat here and said they don't invest enough you can you can mm-hmm. spend a little money but th- then you get little results I mean you 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 get what you you get what you put into it mm-hmm. uh, and I've told people hiring me sometimes that's not going to cut it as your black outreach you know you've got to there's radio there's tv there's different things you have to do there's other people you need to hire this place is I mean, to to the credit of Bill Schuette and to even get in that office, you know, we were working with Reverend Holly. You know, that was his area. Mm-hmm. And, we'll, and, mm-hmm. and so, again, um, what happens is they start with good intentions and say, we're going to get this office or we're going to do this. But then they we don't do you know go to that second step and make sure we have someone in there 24-7. Now, to be quite honest, at the point that he had got the office, it was already, you know, we were three weeks away from the election. And so he was doing it to, to trying to get volunteers in there to come make phone calls and things like that. But like when we had our Detroit office, when we first came in 2014, uh, we had computers in there. We had, you know, when it wasn't just like, come on in, you could actually, you know, 10 people at a time can make phone calls. And now with the technology, everything's on your cell phone. So that's even changed a little bit. But the point was, uh, and our state was different. This was when Bobby Show, under the leadership of Bobby Shostak, mm-hmm. uh, where he's a guy that's done business in Detroit. He understands. He's worked with Reverend Wendell Anthony on inclusion. He gets it. And so he handpicked that office himself. He, we went all over the place. You need people that are tied into the community and understand it, Just not just necessarily from a politics standpoint, but also uh, a business and inclusion standpoint. And I think that that is uh, right now, because of the fact, you know, and Ron Romney, or Ron McDaniel, mm-hmm. as I should say now, she <laughs> is from here, 
But she didn't, you know, she didn't have the kind of background that Bobby Shostak had. No. And the party is evolving into something different right now where, again, they're worried now about losing the soccer moms. Right, right. Uh, you see Laura Cox is going to be the, you know, is running for chairman mm-hmm. here it's in Michigan. Chair, mm-hmm. sure. And so well, that's the, the, the people they're concerned about right now. Uh, and we just have to be honest about that is that's the priority. Will they yeah. look to try to speak on issues? Like right now, for example, you have the – uh, the opportunity zones that Donald Trump did through his tax plan. Tim Scott should be going across the country. Uh, I talked with Jimmy Kemp, his, Jack Kemp's son, about this. There needs to be promoting of those kind of ideals and those, you know, issues that are winning issues for urban cities. But right, with, right now, after seeing yesterday, I'm just, I'm very concerned about uh, if these guys are going to be capable of working together for the greater yeah, good of It did of not America. look good. It did not look good. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to continue our conversation about Republicans and African Americans, both here in Michigan and around the country. Uh, if you want to join that conversation, remember, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Brian in Detroit, Ronald in Detroit, Kara in Armada. We will get to you next. Stay with us on Detroit Today. This is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm glad you are joining us. My guests are Wayne Bradley. He's the former state director of African-American engagement for the Michigan Republican Party, uh, managing partner of American Urban Strategies. Also with us is Brandon Bryce. He's an independent political consultant. Used to identify as Republican, but does not any longer. We're talking about black Republicans and whether the GOP is doing what it needs to do to try to diversify its base. A recent report in 538.com says the party's doing worse than it did in the last decade, at least. Uh, The Bush administration made more efforts than the Trump administration is now to reach out to black voters. What do you think? Uh, What do you think about the idea of black people being part of the GOP, more black people being part of the GOP. We especially want to hear from Republicans and from black Republicans. What attracts you to the party? What is repelling you maybe from the party right now? And do you think the party is making an adequate case to black voters about why it represents their interests? As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, Put your comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today and we will work you into the conversation. Let's go, let's go to Ronald in Detroit. This, uh, good morning. Happy holiday to you and, you get, and Thank you. your staff and all. Uh-huh. Okay, I'm going to place my opinion. No, I'm going to confess my sins. <laughs> I'm one of the ones that didn't vote. <laughs> you oh, didn't man. vote in, in 2018? I didn't vote in neither one because simply the fact that I felt there was no word in the world that Clinton was able to win that election. Because this, this country is not one ready for a woman president in the first place. Oh, Another thing, we rise wow. and vote for Trump is the Light fact up. is, is the fact is, Trump is not a dummy by a long shot. Mm-hmm. He didn't get to be a millionaire mm-hmm. by being a dummy. Well, he, his problem is he do things that don't think the consequences of what he does before he do it. Yeah. Just like he's talking about closing the, closing the, uh, the uh, government down just because he... He acts like a little child 
that, that, that got their marbles, and, and because he can't help it, so he take them home. <laughs> yeah, well, there's an impulsivity problem there, uh, Ronald, that, that I think is, is maddening for people who either support the president or don't. Uh, this idea of somebody who's not terribly thoughtful about what he says or what he does before he says or does it. Uh, and that's and that that's not something we're used to in somebody who's the president. Uh, but but I do want to say, Ronald, do not do not go another election without casting a vote. Please don't do that. Uh, we, we really do need people make them earn your vote. Exercise <laughs> exercise that right that people fought so hard to make sure that uh, that you have. But I but I hear what you're saying about frustration. People are frustrated about. Uh, don't just about give it away. Voters. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's go to Kara in Armada. Kara, welcome to Detroit Hi. today. Hey, how are you? Well, I am wonderful, and uh, I do believe that we are ready for a white female president one day. <laughs> I just could not bring myself white. to vote for Clinton. I'm a white single mom that was raised Republican under the Colin Powell era, the moderates, where I felt like government was still rational, and I'm a person without a party. And the one thing that has... Uh, given me hope is my black friends and my black neighbors are holding it true and we are telling the truth out there so these policy issues and these relevant (laughs) issues can be heard and i will support that and i know that you need support and so we're out here and we support you so kara talk to me about how what direction you want to see the party go and and what kind of people you see who are maybe Sort of in the party now, or maybe uh, in junior positions in the party, who you would who you would like to see in leadership positions to be able to get to where you want to go. You know, I'm in my searching phase. I'm in that I'm reaching out. I felt lost. Trump took office. I never thought it could would ever happen, <laughs> and it scared me. And I think that anybody who supports the vulnerable vulnerable people is who I have. And those issues, prison reform minorities, racism, these issues, we can't be American and let these issues go to the wayside. These Mm. issues are Mm. important. Mm. And so when I see those relevant issues come and I see candidates that support them, then I'm all for it. You had independent Chris Graveline on there. I was on that day. I wanted to hear the independent attorney general, and he gave me what I wanted to hear, and I voted for him. Mm. Go go independent. Go independent. Go independent. he was on the issues. So... I'm not afraid to vote independent, but I'm also not af- afraid to support the issues. And I can do it, you know, volunteering my voice, and I can do it with money. Yeah. So wow. I, I want to reach across. Kara, no, we I need you guys. I That's a real American, uh, right? There. I appreciate uh, the call and in the comments. And, uh, 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 keep searching, right? Uh, keep looking for somebody who inspires you and who you think embodies the principles that you want that party uh, to embody. Let's go to Robert in Detroit. Robert. Welcome to Detroit Hi. today. Um, I just wanted to mention two um, Republican policies that are really hurting African Americans, and one of them is, you know, the new poster boy that nobody is, is a poster child. I don't want to sound bad, but um, is John James? That you know, he's so successful. He was popular here in the election, but um, he's 37 years old, so he must be must have made a lot of money in his business with the automotive bailout, um, being in the logistics mm-hmm. field, and. Um, and also um, another democratic policy about, you know, the, the environment of 
Trump is rolling back, that's what's causing all the closures of the, uh, the factories in Detroit, which is hurting white people, black people, Democrats, Republicans. And we can't say there are you know, good people on both sides. Mm. Uh, Robert, I appreciate, appreciate the call and the comments. I especially appreciate your bringing up John James, who we have not talked about <laughs> quite yet. Uh, but, but I do want to talk about what, what you two, Brandon and Wayne, see with, with regard to someone like John James, who I think surprised a lot of people in this election and how close he came, uh, but also disappointed a lot of folks in terms of the way that he conducted himself during that campaign, campaigning with Ted Nugent, for instance, uh, which I, I can't begin to understand uh, what was going through his mind. I mean, I think this this sort of again, captures a lot of these tensions that surround the idea of black Republican thought. Let, and let me and jump on that for go the ahead, guy Ryan. that worked for him. Yeah. Uh, do some of that. Uh, I think that one thing, and, I, and, and when you said the Ted Nugent thing, I can't help but <laughs> laugh because that was one of the things I'm like, I don't think this is going to be very helpful. Uh, but the reality is to, to even get to a point where he was competing with Debbie Stabenow, he had to win a primary. And we had a primary opponent that had $5 million uh, that was spending it recklessly attacking John. Now, I want you to put it, put yourself in this position as a black automotive business owner. He was getting attacked by the opponent for associating with Jesse Jackson. Right. He was having people, you know, and, and to me, I understand because people were like, well, he should have been doing, you know, been in Detroit earlier or he should, they were using that against him in primaries. They were saying that he wasn't even a real Republican because his business, his father uh, had partnered with Jesse Jackson and with his, you know, to help his business. And so I think that uh, having an opponent that had that much money to spend uh, in TV ads, he had to be this, just as conservative as him hmm. that to win the primary. And I think that that was a challenge that even though he won, he won because President Trump came in and endorsed him, which, again, does not, to me, wasn't going to help in the general election, but he had to get through the primary to get there. And I think that that kind of dragged him. And then the comedy made well early in this campaign, in the first three weeks up in Mackinac, when they got him to say he supports Trump 2,000%. Right. Well, he was three weeks in. He had never run for any office before. And he's, and and being with him from, let's say, April until, I never heard him make that comment. You know, I kept wondering, when did you say that? And then when I, you know, did some research, I said, wow, that wasn't helpful. But uh, <laughs> no at, kidding. <laughs> at the same time, he mm -hmm. had to get through a primary that was not going to, you know, it was going to be very hard for him to do that, uh, playing the middle well, uh, and it, it, it raises the question of what kind of African-Americans Republican voters right. tend to like. They like people who don't raise issues of race. They like right. African-Americans who will toe the line with someone like Donald Trump and not call him out on mm -hmm. that sort of racism. Let me, let me help you out. So I actually know John James very well. I know the family. Uh, successful businessman. I think the challenge... Uh, there were a couple mistakes that I think were made overall. The first thing was um, I think he actually, and I would normally not endorse this, but he should have ran as the African-American candidate in the race. Uh, I think that would have helped him. I think if you looked at the, the history of his father's business, I actually think Labor, who was not in support of Debbie Stabenow, believe it or not, would have came his way, at least maybe not publicly, but in terms of in support. 
uh, in terms of in, you know, in, in voting and in numbers. And so I think the labor vote, uh, he missed that opportunity. I think the other thing was, I think, uh, unlike Bill Schuette, he did not have to. OK, the endorsement from Trump was fine, but I think John went a little bit above and beyond in his support for the president at a time when, I mean, let's face it, African-Americans uh, throughout the nation are not Trump supporters. They're just they're just not. Uh, so I think that hurt him. I think the other thing was I, I, I think the, the the disconnect between uh, his campaign and the city of Detroit. Uh, I think people looked at him, unfortunately, maybe as a carpetbagger and saying, you haven't been here, even though his business has been here for over 30 years, his father's business. Uh, I don't think that was translated into the campaign. And yeah, so yeah. there are a lot of mistakes. Now, he didn't do as bad as people think, which tells me uh, that had those things, had there been more of a commitment to the city of Detroit uh, and and Flint and Benton Harbor, uh, black communities, uh, had there been more of an effort in saying, hey, have- I'm the African-American candidate in the race and I want to be the voice for the voiceless. Uh, had there been more of a support for labor in terms of splitting the but labor he, vote? Yeah, but if he would have had a better things, shot. If he'd done those things, he might have lost. And, 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 that's, and that's the risk. And, and that's, and that's, and that's, that's the totally risk. Scary. I, I want to get to uh, another call that I think mm-hmm. is going to be really, really good for us, mm-hmm. uh, the conversation here. Dr. C in Carlton. <laughs> well, oh, to wow, today. I haven't heard from okay. him in a while. Come on, Dr. C. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. I remember you from the other station. Yeah. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Um, uh, you, you, we talked before. Uh, my great grandfather was a Republican. My grandfather was Republican. My dad was a Republican. I was a Republican. And I've gone independent because of Donald Trump. And part of that is because my family is a family tree of ministers, mm. all of them. And I, I fellowship a lot with the white evangelicals. Mm. Uh, I, I have, I have, I have vanilla people in my ministry, the whole nine yards. But the problem is there's hypocrisy here. I believe in minimum taxes. I believe in strong morality. I believe in strong military. I'm a Republican conservative in my, my belief in morality. Mm. And Donald Trump does not meet the ticket. Mm. As far as people say he represents God and all this, he does not represent God. And and I hate the racism that he's promoting. Yeah. Okay, uh, Dr. C, I really appreciate that perspective uh, from somebody who one time considered himself. God does uh, not say grab him by the woo Yeah, right? <laughs> That's a great way to end the segment there. All right, Wayne Bradley, former uh, state director of African-American engagement for the Michigan Republican Party, managing partner of American Urban Strategies. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Uh, also, Brandon Bryce, independent political consultant. Always great to talk with you as Thank well. Thank you. All right. Up next, we are going to talk about homelessness and kids. Some research at the University of Michigan that follows what happens to kids who are homeless when they shift schools or don't show up for school. Stay with us on Detroit Today.